0: Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor, and this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana, over the past week, and we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers, as well as answer any questions that students have Posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. First question for this class is, if your patient was suspected of having an AKI, what labs would you expect to be abnormal and why? So one thing you want to make sure you're doing is understanding the medical abbreviations, So an AKI is going to be an acute kidney injury. A little bit different, but some overlap with CKD. When we're looking at a patient who has an acute kidney injury, we want to be knowing, okay, yes, they are going to have some renal dysfunction, but this is acute, right? This is temporary. It can lead to a chronic condition, but it's definitely going to be more temporary than something like CKD. So a few labs we can look at it. Of course, we can look at the BUN to creatinine ratio for an AKI. This is typically going to be over a 20 to 1 ratio. We can also look at these patients at their sodium level. A lot of the time they are dehydrated. So you're going to see really high electrolytes as well, especially sodium for that dehydration. But also you can see potassium, magnesium, phos also high here as well. Another thing to look at for these patients, too, is the cause of the AKI. It could be infection. It could be drugs. A lot of the time for my oncology patients, it's dehydration, too. So looking at other factors, especially if you're worried about infection, looking at a white blood cell count can be very helpful, too. Of course, we can look at their GFR rate, which is glomerular filtration rate. That should be lower as well, too. So lots of different labs to think about. And always remember with the labs, this can be a tricky topic, you want to relate them to disease states. And that's a really great activity to be doing. If you have the MNT study guide from my website, you can go through each disease state on there and kind of say, like, what labs would be impacted? You should also do that same for what medications would these patients be on? What vitamins and minerals would be of concern? So you want to make sure you're layering your topics on the disease states multiple times, that's really the best way to learn. Next question I had is, what are your recommendations for a pregnant patient with HIV? So we had some great comments on here of avoiding breastfeeding. That's definitely going to be one that you're concerned about as because you are going to be able to pass HIV through the bodily fluids. So these patients, we wouldn't want them to be breastfeeding We also want to be watching out for the effects of the antiretroviral drugs that they can have on patients taking them. So especially looking at their blood sugars, really common is for them to have high blood sugars. Also looking at their wasting as well. These patients can become very wasted, so we need to up their calorie and protein needs. Also a nutrition-focused physical exam, looking for that lipid dystrophy, which is when you're having kind of fat, um, like patches on your body in odd places. So these patients, all of time when they're malnourished, they might still have those patches around. So really biggest things here is avoiding breastfeeding and increasing calorie and protein needs if they're having weight loss, even with the regular pregnancy guidelines. Next question we have is, what are nutrition concerns for patients with decreased pulmonary function? So who would this be? COVID patients. This would be COPD patients. This would be cystic fibrosis patients. Lots of different patients here. Um, We have a few answers in the comments, because remember, these questions are always on the Facebook page. Um, So poor appetite and poor PO intake, definitely these patients, they're having a lot of difficulty breathing. So you'll often hear them say, I have to choose whether to eat or to breathe. So it's really, really hard for them to eat So they're typically not eating well. We had one student who was asking, is thiamine a concern? No, thiamine wouldn't necessarily be a concern in this patient. You're not really having a reason why they would have increased thiamine losses. Now, of course, thiamine's always a concern with poor PO intake, but all vitamins and minerals would be a concern with poor PO intake for these patients. Other things I'm looking for with this question are thinking about That because they're burning so many calories, because when they have reduced pulmonary function, instead of you and I, right, we're breathing regular, these patients are going, (gasps) right, they're spending a lot of energy breathing. And because of that, they are going to burn a lot of calories. So they are going to need small, frequent meals, energy-dense meals as well. And we can also tie in acid base here. Because what we're thinking is these patients, they're having a lot of difficulty removing CO2 because they're not breathing that much. Their respiration is down. So if you're having a lot of difficulties removing CO2 from your body, you're going to have a buildup of CO2. Now we remember from acid base, right? Domain one, CO2 is acidic. So if I'm having difficulty removing CO2, it's going to build up. I can go into respiratory acidosis. And when I feed a patient a high carb diet, it increases the amount of CO2 produced by the body, right? Because we're going through the Krebs cycle and making water, CO2, ATP. So sometimes you'll see the recommendation for a high fat or lower carb diet for these patients too. And a lot of my students have gotten a question on the exam about MNT for COPD patients, and they will not put low fat, I mean, not low fat, low carb, as an option, and they get really, really worried. So remember that there's lots of MNT for a variety of disease states, right? There's always kind of like that golden one, but you want to kind of think about, well, why? What are the nutrition concerns? Because you don't want to get a question wrong because you only know kind of that top level. We talked about that in last week's vitamin and mineral class too, where we were saying, if you just know that, you know, carrots are great sorts of vitamin A, And that there for eyesight, you're not going far, right? Because you want to be able to layer it onto wound healing. And also, that's an antioxidant. And also, that it's in lots of things like liver, pepper, like red peppers, right? Sweet potatoes, lots of different things. So don't just go surface level in your studying. And that's why doing these open ended questions like we do in these classes is helpful because what I want you to do is to be able to kind of chat about the topic a little bit with me. This is what I do all the time with my students in their private sessions because when you can kind of walk through the topic, walk through it with someone, to ask questions, it's really, really helpful too. Right. Next one is very vocab focused. This is domain three. And we're looking at the different types of union shops, and I'm asking you to define them. So let's go through them. And remember, when we're thinking about definitions, you want your definition because Inman or Google, maybe that's not what clicks in your mind. I know the way my mind works. A lot of the time when I'm reading definitions, I'm like, "That ah, I don't know what that means. But if you can explain it in your own words, you're 10 times more likely to remember it. So let's go through these. First one is union shop. So when we're thinking about union shop, what we're thinking about here is that this is the type of union where I do not need to be in it to apply but it's going to be a condition of my employment to be part of the union. So what could that look like? That could look like it's saying you need to join the dietitians union, you know, within 10 days of accepting your offer letter or you need to join the dietitians union within 6 months of taking the job. So it's in my contract, it might not necessarily be like day 1, but I have to join eventually. Then we have open shop. So with open shop, I like to think when you go to dinner with someone and you're there, like, oh well, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. I'm open. With the open shop, you can choose to be in the union, or you can choose not to be in the union. It's open. You want to do it? You can. If you don't, don't worry about it. On open shop, we have an adjacent vocab term, which is agency shop. So agency shop and union shop, I mean, sorry, agency shop and open shop always go together where you can pick, but if it is an agency shop, you can pick, but you have to pay either way. And then we have closed shop. So closed shop, think the doors are closed to you if you are not in the union. So you cannot join, you cannot even apply for the job if you are not, you are not in the union. So. Those are some good ones to make sure you're kind of reviewing and looking over to. The next one is less of a question, but just more of um, I was given some definitions of the different types of our lipid proteins because I've had a lot of students who, especially in their practice questions, but also in the exam too, they're getting lots of questions about lipoproteins and aren't necessarily doing the best job of kind of being able to describe the difference between them because. For the exam, you can't just know, oh, lipoproteins, right, VLDL, LDL, HDL, HDL is good, LDL, VLDL is bad. I want you to be able to tell me why. So big thing with the lipoproteins is you need to know that what makes them high density or low density is the amount of protein. Protein is dense, so a high density lipoprotein has a lot of protein on it. So the high-density lipoprotein, the reason why they're good is they're kind of sweeping the fat from the peripheral tissues and bringing it back to the liver to be recycled and to ultimately excreted. The VLDL and LDL are low-density, so less protein, and they're not our favorite because they're always kind of sticking fat in our peripheral tissues. But another one we forget about is also a lipoprotein is your chylomicron right? Think back to domain one. Think about fat metabolism. The chylomicron is the lipoprotein form of the fat that's going from the enterocyte into the lymphatic system. So remember, when we're thinking about our lipoproteins asked about on the exam, it could be LDL, VLDL, HDL, or also our chylomicrons. Those are all going to be ones that we can see on the exam. Next question is, what is the theory of the role of protein and branched chain amino acids in hepatic encephalopathy? And then also, what are some of the current recommendations on this too? And this is always a good one to kind of talk about because I know when I was going, well, when I was in undergrad, I was taught that with hepatic encephalopathy, you restrict protein. So that is the old practice because Hepatic encephalopathy, remember hepatic liver, encephalopathy always means issues with the brain. So hepatic encephalopathy is when your cirrhosis and stage liver disease has gotten so bad that you are now not able to process protein. So normally, right, we have our R group, we have our nitrogen group, and then we're having um, our carbons on our protein What we're thinking about is that nitrogen group, right, is our ammonia. So the R group, you know, everything's kind of taken off, and then the ammonia is by itself. And if I can't process in the liver ammonia to urea and then excrete out with my kidneys, that ammonia builds up. So the old thinking was, if I can't process that ammonia off my protein, it's going to build up and that's going to directly correlate with my ammonia levels in my blood, in my brain. But what they found is that the amount of protein isn't necessarily directly correlated with the amount of ammonia in the blood in hepatic encephalopathy patients. And only 30% of patients are what we call protein-sensitive. So with protein-sensitive hep- um, hepatic encephalopathy, these are the patients where they eat you know, this much protein, their ammonia levels goes up this much. They eat much, this much protein, their ammonia levels go back this much. Thinking like a very proportional relationship. So what they used to do was restrict protein and then supplement branched chain amino acids because they would produce less ammonia. Now, like we said, only 30% of our patients are protein sensitive. So the new recommendation is giving protein as tolerated. And branched chain amino acid supplementation can definitely still be utilized in our patients who are considered to be protein sensitive. So one thing to think about, because like I said, when I went to school, the guidelines were a little bit different. Um, And when I got into like my internship and especially setting for the exam, I had to kind of switch what I had been taught um, because that wasn't what was going to be on the exam. And that's something to be mindful of and ask about on the Facebook page as you're finding recommendations like that, because every hospital, every state is a little bit different. And even some of the current guidelines aren't necessarily reflected yet on the exam. So if as you're going through and you don't know, well, what recommendation should I follow? This one or that one? That is a great question to ask on the Facebook page. Or if you don't have Facebook, remember, you guys can always email me at Dana J. Nutrition at gmail.com. I'm always happy to post questions on your behalf. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, Dana JF Nutrition dot com to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.